The arrival terminals at Pearson International Airport are fascinating places. Unlike waiting rooms in a doctor's office or the waiting place of the long checkout line in a busy grocery store, those places in our lives where time seems to be suspended and it feels like your life has been put on hold, that you're losing something in the wait, those dreadful do-nothing places. No, the arrival areas at airports are holding places of drama, of anticipation, excitement, and hope. We are there to welcome someone, be it to our home or to this city, someone whom we've been expecting. We wait at the arrival area having prepared for the guests coming, and the wait is filled with deep hope and the joy of meeting and welcome. The two arrival areas at Pearson with which I have the most experience recently are the Air Canada's arrival area in Terminal 1 and WestJet's arrival area in Terminal 3. They hold similarities, but they are interestingly quite different. Air Canada's arrival area on the ground level is, in spite of being on the ground level, bright and cheery. There are comfortable seats, there is a Tim Hortons, there is public art. There is a good deal of space for people to gather in front of the glass-frosted doors, the doors that automatically open, allowing the weary and worn travelers to come through for their welcome. You stand waiting with others by the pillars or right in front, at the very center in front of those doors, and you watch them open and close and open and close with anticipation building each time with a bit of disappointment that your loved one is not the one that has arrived and is making their way through the open door to meet you. It's the doors that fascinate me. The opening and the closing, open and close, maybe and not yet, maybe and not yet, and then, oh yes, there they are. WestJet's arrival area in Terminal 3 is not as bright and cheery. There is no seating and no artwork. Now, the area may be under renovation. It feels a bit more industrial and a tad more neglected. It is functional and open, however, and the arrivals portal is not closed off with doors, but rather is a wide open space exposing the luggage carousels and the travelers as they come into the terminal. And in this wide open entry, there's a line on the carpet at the threshold and a sign that says basically, no entry, passengers only. And there's no guards to keep you out, but only a very Canadian gracious trust that people will obey the sign and the line on the floor and will not cross over. There is still in this space the anticipation, the hope, and the excitement of waiting, but without a physical barrier of doors blocking sight lines of the expected one. 
The element of surprise may perhaps be lessened. The weight is a bit different, with the test of obedience being heightened. But once you see the one for whom you wait, you want to go to them to join them at the carousel, or at least meet them halfway. Arrival terminals, places where we wait to greet the expected guest. I think a good metaphor for the spiritual work and the season of Advent. We wait and prepare for the coming, the advent of God in Jesus Christ. How do we do this with the anticipatory joy, hope, and breathless excitement of greeting a loved one's long-awaited arrival? The work of Advent is to wait. Holy waiting is not simply doing nothing. The spiritual work of holy waiting in Advent involves intention, choice, discipline, and even obedience, which of course can be translated as faithfulness. And all of these are fueled by hope. The hope of the one who is coming, God with us, in both forms. God with us as the advent of the babe in the manger and the advent of Christ who will usher in a whole new order filled in the second coming, the day of restoration, reclamation, justice, and right order. Hope that fuels and sustains our waiting and fuels the joyful anticipation, hope is revealed to us today well in the prophet-poet's vision given in our reading from Isaiah. This vision of the peaceable kingdom, where the spirit-filled ruler is wise and faithful, understanding and God-fearing, which translates as awed by the Holy One, in right relationship with the divine, humble yet strong. This leader restores justice, defends the poor. The world, the new reign ushered in by their presence, is one where the created order is filled with fellowship and peace replacing the relational order once riddled with threat and violence. It is a place where all children are safe and where natural enemies now dwell together in harmony. We long for such a place. We long for such a place, O oh God, in our day, when corruption and economic injustice consume and destroy people and the planet. In our day, when a rape victim is sought out and set on fire to prevent her from, from testifying at court. We long for such a place in our day 
when children are trafficked and the pornography industry and its related addictions continue to grow exponentially. In our day, when even though we have the resources, the skill, and the ability, we do not have the will and we still cannot get drinking water and the necessities of life to the Northern Reserves and the First Nation communities of our own country. In our day, just pick a headline, choose a soundbite, a news feed teaser. We long and hope for this leader, this king, this savior, this anointed one, who will make things right, who will bring wholeness and peace. We hope. And Advent compels us to make our hope active and intentional. The vision and hope inform how we live. The vision and hope inform how we live now. Jesus is coming. Get ready, holy waiting and active waiting. And here are some clues given to us this morning in our Holy Scripture that tell us perhaps some ways of how we might do this holy work of waiting with intention, choice, discipline, and acts of faithfulness. Thank God for John the Baptist. The circus barker who foretells of the main attraction that is on its way. John can teach us what to do. Here in the wilderness of Toronto, Ontario, this wilderness place of St. James Cathedral, here in this arrivals terminal, John speaks. His voice cries out, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, we might not like that directive. The turn of phrase may offend our more Christian, reserved Anglican preferences. It may require or conjure up in us unfortunate images of fevered street evangelists. Or maybe we just don't like John's message. We may dismiss it because it requires honest inner work and truthful prayer. It may require of us penitence, translated as taking responsibility and saying sorry. And perhaps most uncomfortably, his message requires change. Change your ways. Turn back to God. Come home live better, and do it soon. Beloved, it is this very hard inner work of repentance that we are to do during this holy waiting time. The inner work of repentance and returning also fulfills John's other directive and identification lifted from the prophet Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord, 
make his paths straight. Prepare the way, make room, spend time, listen deeply. Remove that within you which is not serving God. Get your life in order and renew yourself in this holy way, this straight way, this hope-filled way, not out of fear or guilt or shame, but rather out of hope. Hope and the truthful knowing contained within John's message that God is choosing to come and be with us again. God longs for us. God wants and chooses to be with us. Not because we deserve it. None of us deserve it. But because through God's generous grace, all of us receive it and are met by this divine guest when he comes. That is God's loving, divine, longing way for us. Now, honestly, who wouldn't want to prepare for the best guest ever? Maybe cleaning the house, changing the sheets, and putting out the best towels are good metaphors for this preparatory work of welcoming the one who is to come. Perhaps repentance as cleaning house may be for you a metaphor that transforms the holy work from burdensome into joy. We have housework to do, inner housework to prepare for the best guest ever. And the third thing to consider as we look at how we might engage in active holy waiting fueled by hope during these Advent days comes to us from the letter of Paul to the community in Rome, verse 7 of chapter 15. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. Questions to consider. How am I practicing the holy discipline of welcome and hospitality? To those whom I love, those whom I don't, those whom I need to forgive, those whom I don't know, as Christ has so generously welcomed me, embraced, forgiven, restored, loved, and saved me, how am I offering this grace I did not deserve, yet so generously received, to others? Perhaps these spiritual works of Advent, repentance, preparing the way and welcome, all encapsulated, wrapped up, and held and fueled by a living and holy hope. Perhaps they can help us usher in the coming of the Christ. May we, through grace, do this holy work well during these waiting days, standing together in joyful expectation anticipation, and hope, well-prepared, with clean hearts, for the arrival of the divine guest who comes to save the world.
Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come soon. Amen.